the wheel of life, always chasing after what seems so unattainable, and we try so hard, and we work so hard, and yet sometimes you wonder, are we really chasing after the right thing? It's funny, because we have one of these rodents at our house, um, <laughs> and uh, it was funny when they, when they tried to convince me, because we already have a dog, and I thought one pet's good enough, but it wasn't. Uh, my kids wanted to have something else, furry. And so, Dad, they said, Dad, it's only $20. You know you can buy one of these for $20? So they went with my wife to the pet store, and they came back with a receipt for $150. <laughs> it's 20 bucks for the critter. It's all the other money to buy all the stuff that you need, and she doesn't even share with me the food bill anymore because I probably don't want to know. Uh, but, it's, but it is. It's a reminder of just so often how we just get pulled into the weirdest modes in life. Sometimes, let's just be honest, we lose focus. We forget what the meaning of life is really all about and what God has called us to pursue for those of us who are followers of Jesus. And so today we're going to begin this new three-part series called Chasing Carrots. And as you heard in the video, the last Sunday of the month, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, we're so excited that we're going to have the Key of Hope Choir, 31 kids from Durban, South Africa with us. We're also going to have our SG kids with us in the service as well. It's one service at 10 a.m. in the gym. So it's going to be an incredible way uh, to end the month of November. Last week, if you were with us, we ended Second Peter, which was the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, you know, the last letter that he wrote before he died. And these were his final words. This is what we looked at. This is the last thing we read last week. Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so the question for us is, what are we doing to grow in our faith? If that's what he's telling us to do, if that's what he's compelling us to do, what does that look like for you? See, many of you know I was blessed to be able to go on a three-month sabbatical this last summer, and coming back now, I've been back a month, and people keep asking me, so what are the perspectives? What are the things that you see? And I would say one of the biggest things that I see facing our church and the churches in our communities and the churches in our state and around our country is apathy. It seems like a lot of people, because of COVID and because of post-COVID and because of all the things that have transpired really the last three years, there's a whole lot more apathy in the church than I ever remember there being. It's like people just have kind of given up their will or their fight. And that fire that we were singing about in the, one of the songs this morning, it seems like that fire then has been diminished. And people aren't as happy and they're not as maybe, you know, passionate about pursuing the things of God and getting out and serving the community and doing the things that maybe they did pre-COVID. And I don't know if any of you feel that or not. And so what we're trying to figure out here on staff and leadership is how do we then help our congregation grow? How do we help reach more people in our community that don't have the hope that they can have in Jesus? And so as we launch into the series, we really think that this is going to be a blessing to you. In fact, if you are in a funk, okay, if you feel that way, hopefully this is going to be used, is going to be a tool that God's going to use to help you get out of that. And so today we're going to be specifically looking at this whole concept of comfort. Comfort. Because that's what the world tells us we are to pursue. 
And so the easiest way to launch into this is by simply asking, what things do you do to make yourself comfortable? Because we're all pursuing comfort on some level. Now, if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, I do like it when people respond to me while I'm preaching. So some of you go ahead and shout out some answers this morning. If you're watching online, go to the chat and start putting in the words that you would use to make yourself comfortable. Need someone to start this morning. Being with your family. Food. Shower, TV. Comfortable home. Lazy boy. Should we put those in the new worship center? Yes, listen, you guys. Recliners, cup holders. What else? Football. Unless you're rooting for the Lions, right? Money in the bank. Friendship. There we go. We're warming up. Health. I asked the staff this week, and I sat in front of a computer and typed out things that they told me. Now, I made the mistake at the last service in that I didn't preface this and say, this is what they said they think other people do. This isn't a list of what the staff does, okay? I I lost everybody for about 60 seconds, okay? So here's the things that they listed out or some of the things (laughs) that some of them may struggle with some of these. But the friends and the people in their lives may also struggle with. And I'll give you a minute. And some of you may be doing the same thing that the 9 o'clock service did, is you're looking at some of those and you're judging them. And how dare somebody do that? But meanwhile, somehow in some way, you justify maybe something that you've allowed in your life that you go to for comfort. And now if we're allowed to be serious for a moment, sometimes what happens is we get into a pattern where we go to the same thing over and over again. And what becomes a comfort leads into becoming a vice, which then leads into an addiction. Now again, be honest with yourself this morning. Are there things on this list, are there things that you pursue And now you realize that you have gotten yourself in this place and you need to be broken out of it. You need God through the Holy Spirit to break in your life so that you let go of that addiction and so that the Holy Spirit then becomes the primary influence and pursuit in your heart and in your life. Here's the reality. This is is the truth because this is often what's misunderstood when people become followers of Jesus. They think, well, if I become a follower of Jesus, my whole life is just going to fall into place and I'm going to have all this joy and all this peace and nothing is ever going to go wrong and I'm never going to experience hardship ever again. And I hate to tell you, but that's actually not true. The myth is, is that God wants us to be comfortable. That's not true. You cannot find a scripture anywhere in the Bible where it says that God wants you to be comfortable. And maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you're thinking to yourself, why would I want to become a follower of Jesus? No, in fact, the truth is, is that God never called us to be comfortable. 
And all throughout Scripture, from beginning to end, you even look at the major players and characters of Scripture, you can see that God called them out of their comfort zone and called them to a greater calling and purpose with their time and their energy and, yes, even their resources here on this earth. The only person that maybe you could make a a, a claim that was comfortable was Adam and Eve in the garden. Because they did. They started off comfortable, and then they screwed up, and they sinned. And because they sinned, here we are 2,000 years later, or thousands of years later, still dealing with the ramifications of their sin. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all of the Old Testament giants, Moses. Go to the New Testament where you find Jesus interrupting people that were just going about minding their business. As we looked at last month, Peter, the guy was a fisherman. He had a very successful business. He made a lot of money, and he was minding his own business, and Jesus just came up, tapped him on the shoulder, and said, come and follow me. And he left everything that he knew, the comforts of his life, to go and to live a completely different way and to experience life in a whole different realm. He did the same thing to a guy named Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew had money. Matthew had influence. Matthew had everything that you could possibly need on this earth, and here comes Jesus tapping him on the shoulder, saying, hey, why don't you come and follow me? See what kind of life you're going to live by being a follower of mine. In fact, when he was with his disciples, he said these words. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Can I ask you, how much time do you spend denying yourself? Anybody by chance wake up this morning, look yourself in the, in the mirror and go, it's not going to be about you today? No one? Brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, doing all that, making sure everything's perfect. We don't ever do that, do we? Do you know why we don't do that? Because that's not what our culture teaches us to do. It teaches us to to make it about us, to do whatever it is that we can do to make our lives comfortable and happy. And yet Jesus, as always, he flips the script and he says, no, 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 hold on. If you're going to be a follower of me, you're going to start your day by denying yourself, by waking up and saying, it's not about me today, God. It's about you and what you want to do in and through me. So what's on your agenda, God? Whose path am I going to cross with today? Who do you want me just to sit with and validate and just make them feel like a human being and listen to maybe some concerns that they have going on in their life? How about this? When you get in your car, before you put that thing in reverse and start heading down the road, do you say, God, it's not going to be about me today on the road? I am not in a race to beat the other cars in front of me to wherever I'm going. God, I want it to be about others. I want to deny myself. God, I want to see what it is that you have and how that affects even my mood and my thoughts and my behavior. Because whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, you'll actually find it. To really truly live is to have your life completely enveloped in Jesus. To have that fire, to have that relationship, to understand who you are in him and your purpose on this planet. 
next verse, he says this, For what will it profit a person if he gains the whole world? You spend your whole life building up your kingdom here on earth. You get the bank account, you get all the luxuries, you get the house, you get the toys, you get whatever all those things are that you think are going to make you happy. And you spend all of your time and energy and you're so fixated on that, you can gain the whole world, but yet you forfeit your soul. What really, at the end of the day, can you give in exchange for your soul? Everything on this earth is temporary. The only thing that is eternal is your soul. Think about that for a moment. Think how precious your soul actually is. How precious it is to God that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a sinless life so that he could go to the cross, stretch out his arms, breathe his last breath, and die, pay the penalty for our sins that we deserve for our souls. He's doing that for our souls so that one day when our time comes, we will be reunited with the Father in heaven. That's how precious you are in his sight. That's how much he loves you. He even goes on to say, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. It's going to happen. There's going to be a day. And that he will repay each person according to what he has done. It's just another way of Jesus saying, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven instead of laying up for yourselves treasures on earth. That you live your life in the eternal perspective, not the temporary perspective. See, this is, what tr- this is what's so true of followers of Jesus. We live in a tension of the now and the not yet. We struggle with this because we have a sinful, fallen nature that we receive from Adam, yes. And so there's this constant daily struggle of wanting to take care of ourselves or understanding what it is that God has done for us and the call that he now puts on us to care for others. And again, I believe the church in America has slipped into kind of an, an apathetic state. I'm concerned about our church here at Shepherd's Gate, that we have many that have just kind of slipped into an apathetic state. You know we said this before, some of you that are watching online, you're not here because you can't be here, maybe because you're caring for a loved one. You're not here because you're just kind of like, eh. Your faith has kind of just fizzled out. And even getting up in the morning and, and getting dressed and coming here, you just that motivation, you just don't find that fire within you anymore. And you're starting to slip away, and that's a concern of ours. That's why God puts us in community. That's why he puts us in churches, so that we come alongside of each other, that we encourage each other, that we remind one another that this life is temporary, and it's short, and there's a great eternity waiting for us. So Paul does over and over again, tells us to encourage one another with these words. In fact, in Romans, he puts it this way. I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I mean, these guys were under such intense persecution. I mean, day in and day out, I mean, their businesses were being ignored and looted. And I mean, they were going through all sorts of stuff. These people were getting you know, dragged off and thrown into prison. The reason that we even have godparents today is because some people didn't even know if they were going to make it, and so they wanted to make sure their kids knew that they were, that they were followers of Jesus, and so they would institute godparents so that if anything happened to the parents, the godparents would then take over the spiritual well-being of those kids. Think of that. Now, I know we all go through seasons, 
And we all have times and moments when our faith is strong, and there's other times when our faith just feels so weak and we're holding on by a thread. Here's the good news for you. God never lets go of you. Did you know that? And that when you're in those moments and you're just kind of like, oh man, I, I, I don't know if I can take another step. And you begin to doubt and you begin to drift away. Do you know that God is chasing after you? That even in this message, and this message is for some of you today because he specifically wanted you to be here or watch online because he is passionately and relentlessly pursuing you. And I'm not, I'm not one that is exempt from this. There's so many times when I just want to give up. Did you know that? Even as your pastor, it's hard to believe, isn't it? These last three years and all that we've been through. And this is literally, and I know this is going to sound weird. This is going to sound, you know, not very typical. But for whatever reason, this is what I have to do when I get into these modes. What I do is this, and I, and I don't know why, but I always envision getting to heaven, and I see the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, two major figures, writers of the New Testament, unbelievable evangelists, all the things that they did in and through and for God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I envision getting to heaven and going over and talking to these two guys. Can you imagine that, having a conversation with Paul and Peter? And for whatever reason, in my vision when I'm doing this, I always see them eating chips. And I'm telling you, it's wonky. I get it. But I think it's because it's like we're having a casual conversation. It's like when you have people over your house and so many people, they gather in the kitchen, and that's where you stand. Like the kitchen's always a, the primary place. And we're having chips, and I'm talking to Peter, and I'm talking to Paul, and I'm like, guys, you don't know how hard it is at Shepherd's Gate. There's people that, that won't come back to in-person worship. There's people I know they can come that are just still not coming. They just, I don't know why. Oh, tell us more, Tim. Oh, we had this thing called covid where we had to shut down the church and we had to, and we had to like go into our homes and they're like, well, wait a second, you had more time in your home with your family? And then I had to like preach into a camera, into an empty room and they're eating chips and they're talking to each other and they go, oh, really, tell us some more, Tim. Tell us how hard you've had it. Paul, did, did, did you get beat up for being a Christian? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got beat up too. Did you almost lose your life? Oh, yeah, I did too. Did you spend time in prison? Oh, yeah, I did too. And for whatever reason, that breaks me out of this pity party that sometimes I have for myself as a follower of Jesus and even the pastor of this church. Is anyone jiving with me this morning? And I go, wake up, suck it up. What's wrong with you? Jesus is your comfort. Jesus is your hope. Jesus has you at a particular time, in a particular place, in a particular season, and you don't stand on your own strength. You don't do this based on your own thoughts. You do this by what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And when I learn to let go of those things, then I watch as God does his move, as God speaks to hearts and minds. The other thing I do, because I believe that God has placed people in our lives that will bear our burdens with us. Did you believe that? I honestly believe that. And so one of the things that I will do as well is I will call up Pastor Craig Meyer, who has been on our staff, and he's been a pastor, he's been in ministry for over... 33 years. I think he's turning 34 years next year. And I will say, I need to just sit with you. I just need to let you hear my voice. Can I just come and vent to you? And I know that on Fridays at his house, his, his, his afternoon ritual is to have a cigar and a beer. 
And so I'll say, can I join you for a cigar and beer at your house? And can you just let me whine about my life? <laughs> and you know what he says? Of course. So I go over there, I'm like, it's so hard, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and you know what he does? He laughs. Praying for you, you got this, you're young, you can do this. You keep going, boy, you keep going. That's how much God loves us that he puts other people in our lives to comfort us. Now, I know what you might be thinking. I know as we're talking about this and God not wanting necessarily for us to be comfortable with our time here on earth in whatever vocation, in your workplace, in your family, in the the things that you deal with and the drama that you got to, you know, involve yourselves in, sometimes the myth becomes this, is that, okay, well, then God has just called us all to be miserable. Is that what it is to be a follower of Jesus? I'm just supposed to be miserable? How many of you believe this? No. He doesn't call us to be miserable. He doesn't call us to deny ourselves and take up our cross so that we become miserable. No. In fact, God has actually called us to be comforted. And I want to pause there for a moment. Because being comforted by God is completely different than being comfortable. Knowing who God is and what it is that he does for us and how he leads and guides us is a whole different reality than trying to make our lives comfortable here on this earth. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. He's the Father of all compassion. He has to be the God of all compassion. He sent Jesus to die and rise again for us. And he's the God of all what? Not some comfort, all comfort. He has the ability to speak into every area of your life. Did you know that? That if you're down and you're depressed and you're struggling, God has the comfort that you need. If your marriage is struggling, God has the answer. God has the tools. God has the ability to come into that situation to begin to restore and heal. If things are tough at work or things are dysfunctional in your family, or life is just pushing you down, pushing you down, pushing you down, this is what you do. You cry out to the God of all comfort. And you say, God, I know that, that, that I'm at this place and at this time, and I can't see straight. I don't know what my next step is, but I'm so glad that I'm your child, and I'm so glad that you're on the throne, and I'm so glad that you're in love with me, and that you want to spend time with me, and that you want to speak into my life and to help me navigate whatever I'm going through in this moment. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that is speaking to you even right now through his word. He is the father of compassion. He is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Not just some of them, all of them. So let me ask you, when have you been comforted by God? about that because this was actually really hard for me to answer at first and I think the reason is is so often we just want to do things on our own or we'll find ways and mechanisms to comfort ourselves and so we just go okay God I got this I'm independent I can do this I don't want to have to lean on you I don't want to have to show weakness And yet here he is, 
ready and available to each and every one of us. Arms stretched out, wanting to put his arms around us and to bring us close and to hug us and to remind us that he loves each and every one of us. When have you been comforted by God? And is there something that maybe you're doing or you're thinking where you're preventing him from showering you with his grace and his mercy? How about these scriptures? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That he's the one that protects us that he's the one that guides us, that we don't have to be strong because he is strong and he will actually fight our battles for us. Isn't that incredible? How about this a little later in Psalm 46 where he tells us this, be still and know that I am God. Isn't that difficult to do? the last time we were just still before the Lord? When was the last time we got off that wheel and we just stopped and we just close our eyes and we just take a deep breath and we remind ourselves that we're human and that we don't have to have all of life figured out and that we don't have to have all the answers because we know the one who does. Amen? Think of that. Be still and know I am God. I'm on the throne. I haven't forgotten about you. I know everything about you. I know every thought in your head before you think it. I know every single word you're going to say before you even speak it. I was there the moment you were formed in your mother's womb. I know when your last day on this earth will be. And everything in between, I have never stopped pursuing you and chasing after you and loving you. Be still. And not only so, not only do we got to remind ourselves that maybe we've just gone a little nutty and maybe been a little too independent and we realized what it is that God has done for us in allowing this comfort to come into our lives. Look at the second part of this. It says, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble, look at this, with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Isn't that so cool? That you're placed in your family, you're placed in your vocation, you're placed even at this church so that the comfort that you have received for God in your situation, you can now turn that around and you can use your situation to be a comfort to others. Isn't that the genius of God? Think of it the other way, that other people in this church, other people in your life have gone through trials and circumstances and difficulties and because of those things that they have gone through, they then can turn that around and they can speak into your life. They can sit with you. They can listen to you and be there for you. 
it's kind of wild to think there's actually purpose in our pain. And this is what I love about the ministry that goes on here at Shepherd's Gate. Our kids' ministry that's meeting right now. Volunteers that are in there teaching our precious kids. And isn't it cool that every week they're learning the same thing that we learn in here so that you can have ongoing conversations with them today and throughout the week? Think of this. There's purpose in our pain. Those leaders that are in there, do you know the number one thing that they're doing for our kids? is listening. They're denying themselves and they're giving up their time to listen to our kids. If you come here on Tuesday nights, our care program, I was told this week 95% of the participants in our care program, our grief share, divorce care, healing was a choice, boundaries, all those classes that we have, 95% of them don't go to Shepherd's Gate. They're from our community. And then we have coaches here at Shepherd's Gate that sit around tables with them and watch videos that they've seen over and over and over again because they can't wait for the video to end so that our coaches can listen. They can deny themselves and listen to what they're going through and associate what they're going through because they too have gone through it. Isn't that incredible that people would do that? They give up their time? Come here on a Wednesday night when our students are, are being ministered to by their youth leaders. Come to any of our adult programming all throughout the week. And people are listening and bearing one another's burdens. You know why? Because not only is there purpose in our pain, there's power in our presence. And again, don't get this mixed up. We don't have the power. What we have is the trial. We have the hardship that we've gone through. The power is in the, is in the comfort that Jesus has granted us. And then isn't this cool? He doesn't just give us comfort for ourselves. He then gives us comfort to share with others. But the concern goes back to what I said at the beginning. And the movement away from people being engaged. And the movement of people getting their eyes off of the eternal perspective. The movement of people saying, you know, I just don't feel like serving anymore. I don't feel like coming to worship anymore. I don't feel like being in my small group or Bible study anymore. And all that apathy sets in. And this morning, God's saying, no, 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 no. Let's kick this thing up. Let's reignite this fire. Come close to God. Let him pour his comfort and his grace and his mercy into you. And oh, by the way, when he does that and he fills you to overfilling, he's going to have you turn around and give that same comfort to others. And as you're making that exchange with another person, another person's making an exchange with you, God is at work in a powerful way and you stop obsessing about all the crap going on in our world. Isn't that incredible? If you spend your time listening to people, you spend less time on the news. Amen? If you spend your time listening to others and bearing their burdens, you spend less time on social media. You know what's coming. And all of a sudden, we watch as unprecedented levels of compassion are unleashed in our lives and in our church and in our community. That's what God has for us. Who's in for that? Who wants to be part of that? Who's getting their butt kicked this morning, right? Who's getting a wake-up call this morning? One of the other incredible things that we have here at Shepherd's Gate is after every service, we have prayer partners that line up along the back. These are people that have been trained 
that will walk with you. And you don't even have to tell them what's going on in your life. You can just go up to them and just say, I just need prayer, and they will pray for you. And they'll encourage you. They'll continue to come alongside you. So I, if you need that this morning, if you are struggling, maybe even during the communion time, you can go to one of those prayer partners and have them encourage you. If you want access to our staff, all of our staff have open office policies. And if you want to meet with somebody and you just need someone to just listen to you and to care for you, know that we are available to you. So let me leave you with this verse this morning. Jesus said these words, I have told you these things so that in me you can have because this world is full of trouble. It's full of obstacles. It's full of hardships. But lean into this. Take heart. Take heart, my followers. I've already overcome the world. I've already died and rose again. And you're just in that in-between time. But I have not let go of you. I have not stopped caring about you. And this morning as we get to celebrate Holy Communion, this incredible gift that God gives us, realize that even in Holy Communion, that Christ is present in and with the bread and the wine. He gives us Jesus in this sacred meal. Not only does he forgive our sins, but equally so he strengthens our faith. And so this morning, get excited, church, because you're going to leave here today with your sins forgiven and your faith strengthened. Amen? Amen. Amen.